Welcome to the Hills Church Podcast. We hope that it helps you become a strong and passionate follower of Jesus Christ. For more information, you can visit our website, www.hillschurch.com.au. Enjoy this week's message. Um, Psalm 92, verse 12 to 15 will be the text today. It will be up on the screen if you haven't got your Bible with you. It says, uh, reading out of the New American Standard Bible, The righteous person will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courtyards of our God. They will still yield fruit in advanced age. They'll be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is just. He is my rock and there is no malice in him. Now, we are just in such an exciting season of church life. Pastor Nicholas and I have been doing a lot of dreaming and scheming and vision casting. We are genuinely excited about what God has for us as a church. Our mission as a church is to extend the kingdom of God by raising strong and passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And it's Pastor Nicholas's heart and it's my heart and it's God's heart for you that you would flourish in your faith, that you would flourish in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would flourish in your homes that you would flourish in your relationships, that you would flourish in your marriages, in your workplaces, in your schools, wherever you might find yourself, that the Lord God would strengthen you and you would grow and flourish and bear fruit in Him. Here the temple reads as a metaphorical image of a life lived in the presence of God and in remaining close to God. We live life under His blessing, protection and care and this allows us to experience the fullness of the human existence That springs only from communion with God. The poet draws the reader's attention to the notion that human stability and personal growth are dependent on right relationship with the Creator because of the work of Christ on the cross. And uh, what we can draw from the rest of the Bible, that when we draw near to Him, we become strong, we become stable, and we can flourish in everything that He has called us to be. Now, this term flourishing, and as it's understood as human flourishing, is uh, an interesting concept. There's lots of different traditions and thoughts and schools of thought as to what constitutes flourishing as people. I mean, you can ask a psychologist and they will answer you one thing, a different religious system or belief will give you another answer. But all I have to offer you and submit to you today as believers, as the body of Christ, our flourishing and our ultimate experience as people is only found in connection to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect flourishing human and he is what it looks like to be fruitful and to be everything that God has called us to be. That's why in John 15 verse one to five says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do Nothing. Jonathan Pennington puts it this way. He says, true human flourishing is only available through communion with the Father God, through his revealed Son, Jesus, as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
This flourishing is only experienced through faithful, heart-deep, whole-person discipleship following Jesus' teaching and life, which situate the disciple into God's community or kingdom. This flourishing will only be experienced fully in eternity when God establishes his reign upon the earth. As followers of Jesus journey through their lives, they will experience suffering in this world, which in God's providence is in fact a means to true flourishing even now. Psalm 92 presents us an image of what it looks like to be flourishing in the presence of God. What we have here is two contrasting trees, which are iconically significant in the Bible. We have the palm tree and the Lebanese cedar. Both are seen right throughout the images of Scripture. And so what we're going to look at is what can we learn about these trees and about what it means to flourish in Christ? What do these trees have to teach us? So the first thing we're going to do is look at the palm tree. Now, the palm tree is both productive and useful. Whenever we see a palm tree in the Bible, it is talking about the date palm. Now, these date palms are shoot up massive in the sky, and they're really fruitful and productive in producing dates. Uh, but the people living in Bible times found these trees useful for every part of life, and they used the trees, every part of the tree, sorry, for what they needed to do. Uh, the wood was employed for light building construction, such as only when a small span was requ required. The fiber ropes had remarkable strength, while the leaves were used for covering the huts made of palm boughs, and when cut together, made for very effective brooms for use against the dust. Uh, the palm trees were also taken to use strong rope and sandals and articles of clothing. The palm tree is incredibly useful and productive. And this thing of the palm tree here in the presence of God emphasizes the vitality and productivity of a life in Christ that is flourishing. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. God wants your life to matter, to count for something, to not be wasted. He's placed gifts and abilities on your life to be discovered, to be nourished, and to be utilized for the benefit of other people and for the glory of God. God's heart for you is that your life wouldn't pass you by without walking in the fullness of what He has for you. That you would utilize everything that He has placed you to steward. That He would work through you to advance His purpose and see His kingdom established in all the spheres of influence that you might find yourself. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And today, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, I came to tell you today that you have a plan and you have a purpose and you have a place within the story of God in your world. You have a plan and place, and our, uh, as you grow in your understanding, one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit in our life is that we start to become useful in the hands of our God. We are chosen by God to have lives that are fruitful and productive. That's the first thing that we can see from the palm tree. The second thing is that the palm tree in ancient Jewish culture was a symbol of freedom, a symbol of freedom. Now, in AD 70, uh, this isn't in the Bible, this is afterwards. In AD 70, uh, the Roman Empire seized the city of Jerusalem and they burnt the temple, sacked the city, set fire to the whole thing. And as they did that, there was an emperor by the name of Vespasian. And he minted a coin in AD 70 and it's called the Judea Captor. 
coin, and I was able to find it. We're going to have a look up here. Now, what this coin is, it literally means Judea captor, the Jewish captive. Now, what we have on the coin here is a Roman soldier uh, pretty much overlooking and kind of overpowering a grieving Jewish woman. In the middle of the coin is the date palm. And what it was supposed to signify for the Jewish people in their time, that every time they went to pay their tax and render their tax to Caesar, that was the Jewish custom and it was the law that was inscribed to them, they would see their symbol of freedom being mocked. And what the Roman Empire was trying to tell them is every time you look at this coin, remember that we're not going anywhere and hey, neither are you. In Christ, we are free and we have victory. We are not supposed to and we are not designed to live lives of captivity. We are not supposed to be enslaved by the things of this world, but God has called you to live a life of victory and freedom. And this is an evidence of God's good work and flourishing in your life. What are we free and victorious over? Firstly, we're victorious over sin. Not only does God give us the grace and the wonderful, incredible blessing to forgive us of our sin, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, He gives us the empowerment to overcome them. When we follow Jesus and when we make a decision to follow Jesus and when we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive the spirit of an overcomer. That no matter what our challenge is, no matter what our sin is, no matter what the thing, that the obstacle in our life, if we can name it, our God can overcome it. That the name of Jesus is bigger than anything going on in your life. And we've all had times, we've all had things, we've all had stuff. And you know what I mean when I say stuff? To try and derail us from our faith. But in Christ, yesterday's failures don't determine tomorrow's direction. Yesterday's failures do not determine tomorrow's direction. And we can look to Jesus and know that our bondage to sin was decisively broken by him on the cross. Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 6 says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that, our, that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. But anyone who has died has been set free from sin. And sometimes... I don't know, maybe it's just me, maybe it's you too. Sometimes the enemy will start to whisper in your ear. Evan, you're at this and this. Evan, you lost your temper a bit there. You're a so-and-so. Evan, you are pretty impatient there. Evan, 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 You ever have those thoughts ring over in your head? And sometimes I, I think about that and I go, you know what? I think you might be right. But that person that you're talking about was nailed to a cross with Jesus. That person, that character, that nature that you're talking about, it doesn't exist anymore. That person was buried in the waters of baptism and he was risen into new life. He is now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome anything that this world has to throw at us. So devil, you can speak ill of the dead if you want. But you today, friends, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, are a new creation. You don't have to be a slave to your former self. You don't have to be held bondage by the person that you used to be. In Christ, you are someone new. You are someone victorious. And the Bible says that in Jesus, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Secondly, firstly, we're 
victorious over sin. But what is our ultimate defeat as people? Our ultimate defeat and what is seemingly so full stop is death. But in Christ, we have victory over that too. We have victory over that too. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. You see, none of us are without sin and all of us will go to the grave. Where then is our victory? The answer is in Jesus, that it is his victory on the cross and in his resurrection that is the greatest news this world has ever known, that the power of death was defeated by his resurrection. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, the sting of, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin in the law, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. So when we're walking through life and it gets hard, maybe we're battling an illness that we just can't seem to shake. We believe God's healing over your life for that, definitely. Maybe there's something going on in you want to think, God, what is happening? And maybe there's times in our life where we feel downcast and trodden on, but it's in those seasons, brothers and sisters, lift your head and turn your eyes to Jesus. I love it. Turn your eyes to Jesus. It is in him that we have the greatest miracle that anyone could ever receive, that we've received the salvation of our souls, eternal life, the greatest healing, the greatest blessing, the greatest amazing gift anyone could ever receive. It is in Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, that we have victory over death. The palm tree is useful and productive, and the palm tree is a symbol of victory and freedom. Let's look to the cedar. Of all the trees mentioned in the Bible, none of them evoke the grandeur of the cedar tree, the Lebanese cedar tree. I mean, so iconic in Lebanon that it made it onto the national flag. I mean, it is an incredible tree. And what we see in the cedar is that it is strong. It is strong. I mean, the evergreen, this evergreen tree, it's a commanding stature. It can grow for hundreds of years and be hundreds of feet tall and 30, 40 feet wide in circumference. It was, it was used as a really prized timber in biblical times. We can look at uh, David and Solomon, the uh, temple that David wanted to build that Solomon completed. I mean, that thing, cedar all over the place. If you pick up the Bible and read it, you can almost smell it come off the page, all the cedar. I mean, in the roof, in the walls, everywhere. David is just like, let's cedar, up, cedar, up, cedar, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it in. doesn't matter how much it costs to, to fell the tree from Lebanon and float it down the Mediterranean and get it to Jerusalem, just get it done. We want to build this thing out of cedar. The Song of Solomon, when he's talking about their home, uh, when he's talking about the home between the, the husband and the wife, he says, the beams of our home will be cedar. It is a strong building material and the strength inherent in the cedar reminds us to be strong in the Lord in his mighty power for it, his presence in our life is the source of our strength. Now, as I was, I'm not a botanist, right? So when I, looking at this, I had to do a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of all this place, academic journals and uh, Bible encyclopedias and I ended up having a chat with this guy. He could have saved me about five hours worth of research. He goes, he goes, Evan, do you know, Christopher, thank you for this. He goes, do you know that the cedar tree, the Lebanese cedar, because it's so deeply rooted, can't be shaken from side to side. It can't be derooted like that. Derooted, is that the word? See, I'm definitely not a botanist. Um, it, can't, it can't be derooted. 
And no matter how much you shake it, and no matter how much you pull it, and no matter how much you push it, and try and dislodge it and make it free, it will never dislodge and deroot. No matter what happens, you can come up and preach this part, actually. I mean, we've got to love it. Impromptu sermon, we love it. No matter what happens in our life, just like the cedar, when we are planted in God's presence, that the things of this world might push us left and right, but we always come back to that straight and narrow path. The cedar is so strong. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 says, For this reason I bend my knees before the Father. I love uh, this prayer of the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus. This is his heart for them, what he wants for them. Uh, He says, For this reason I bend my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. Man, the the riches of his glory? I mean, the riches of his glory, the one who spoke and all creation came into being. I mean, that's some incredible riches of his glory right there. That his riches of his glory to be strengthened with the power of his spirit to the inner self. This is what God wants to build in our life. The inner self. That no matter what our world throws at us, the disappointments the discouragements, the things that we would not plan for, the things that we would not have contrived of our own accord, that we can be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. God's heart for you is that you would be strengthened in Him. The cedar is also fragrant. It's a beautiful smell. Uh, It is not uncommon. Now, I have uh, an essential oils diffuser in my office upstairs, uh, and my favorite oil to use is cedar wood. It is not uncommon for someone to walk past my office on a Tuesday and smell this beautiful, fragrant cedar wood coming from the door. It is such a beautiful smell. Now, the grace associated with a cedar tree can also be reflected in the grace that is of greater worth than mere charm or beauty. As recipients of God's unmerited favor, we are called to live in a manner that reflects God's grace and is attractive to others. Hosea chapter 14, 6 says, His young shoots will grow. His splendor will be like an olive tree, his fragrance like a cedar in Lebanon. Far superior than the offerings of the Old Testament, we should exude a pleasing fragrance to God and to others. Paul charged the church in Ephesus, and he says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dear children, live a life of love, just as Christ loved himself up and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And even as Christ was a fragrant offering, so too we, united to him, are to live sacrificial lives that bear a distinct fragrance. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, 15 says this, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and of those who are perishing. And the thing about the scent of cedar wood. It's so, so refreshing. I mean, we talked about it. I like it in my old oil diffuser, but I mean, it's distilled into things to put into like candles and all this kind of stuff, perfumes and colognes, all this, there's so much usage for the smell of cedar wood, but it is refreshing. Yeah. And the thing about us, when we flourish in God, the fragrance that we should exude to the world around us should be refreshing. In Romans chapter 15, uh, the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome, says, I would just so love to come, and this is the Evan paraphrase version, I would so love to come and be with you so that I may be refreshed. And that is the call that we have as people. So the question 
is, is your fragrance refreshing? Have you ever walked away from a conversation with someone, either in faith or not? And thought, man, and I'm not talking about like having, missing a shower for a day or I mean, you walked away from conversation thinking, man, that person stinks at the moment. And I say have you ever because we've all been that person who have been the, the stinky person in the room. We've all had that time where our fragrance hasn't been quite God-honoring as it should. But this is the way that we are called to live as believers. That what we exude to the people around us would be attractive, would be warm, would be refreshing, and would reflect the nature of our faith and the God that lives within us. The cedar is refreshing. And the last thing I want to share, that both the palm and the cedar are long-lasting and evergreen. Both of these trees produce fruit long after other trees have stopped. Long after. And this is a wonderful symbol that as we grow in maturity, as we grow in our age, as we grow in our faith, that we as people of faith never stop producing what our God has given us to do. That we never grow stale, that we never grow tired, that we never grow weary, that as long as we walk on this earth, we have a calling, we have gifts, we have abilities, and we have a mission from God to advance his kingdom wherever we might be. The verse says that uh, those advanced angels will be full of sap. Full of sap. Everyone say sap. Sap. Sap Sap has incredible qualities. Now, sap can be bad. Sap can be like poisonous, detrimental to a tree. It can be a sign of a sick tree. But sap, when it's good, and sap, when it's healthy, has this amazing ability to deliver nutrients to little tree budlings. And if you've been in church life a long time, and you've been following Jesus a long time, maybe you've heard every sermon Maybe you've heard Psalm 92 preached before. Maybe I might, I might not be talking to anybody, but I might be talking to just one person today. And maybe you feel like your vitality and your purpose and your sap has run a bit dry. Can I encourage you? Can I do more than encourage you? If that's you, can I gently instruct you and can I submit to you? We've got baptisms coming up in a couple of weeks. Can I encourage If you feel like that your sap as a believer in your maturity, in your faith is running dry, can you make it a point to be here for baptisms on the 27th? To get here to encourage a young person in their faith and see what that will do for your soul. See what that will do to lift you up and to help you feel green and vibrant and and, uh, vital to what God is doing. Because no matter how long you've been serving Jesus, whether it's been five minutes, five years, 10 years or 50 years, you have some sap to bring and God is not done with what he has placed in your life and the longer you've been following Jesus the more sap you've got to bring sap that has been refined in the years and trials of life that has been shaped by the word of God as we progress through this life this passage says that if we are to be flourishing in our God that we never ever ever stop our vitality and life in the kingdom of God and that you have a place in the story of God here. And we're going to close up here and I'm going to invite our senior pastor up. Don't, don't need the band or anything like that. We're going to be all cool today. Like the palm and the cedar trees, our lives are to be beautiful, strong, fragrant, productive, evergreen and full of life. And this comes from being near the Lord 
and being fruitful by means of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So I pray as we go today, this week, that you would find time to connect to God, to be in His presence, to acknowledge His presence. He is with you always. He is so much more near to us than we sometimes acknowledge, eh? He is so near. And that we as a church, individually, corporately, would shape our lives to be flourishing in everything that God has for us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. And then I'll invite Pastor Nicholas up. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the wonderful gifts and promises and blessings that we have in your presence. Father, I pray that you would help us be strong in you. You would help us exude a fragrance that is honoring to you. You would help us be useful and productive in the things that you have us do. You would help us be evergreen. Father, we thank you for the wonderful gift of your presence. We thank you that you've given us victory and the ultimate freedom in Christ Jesus. Lord, we know there is nothing impossible for you. Father, as we close our service today, we give you praise, glory, and honor. We magnify you, King Jesus, Lord of all. And your precious, holy, matchless, incomparable name we pray. Amen and amen.